and welcome to Straight Outta Combat Radio. Uh, the show today is, uh, is significant. First thing is, is that this is our first guest as a non-combat veteran, but she is an Army brat, and she is a veteran of sorts because she's the daughter of a combat veteran, and her story is significant to the overall mission of what we're trying to do on Straight Outta Combat. Very thrilled to have Pam Salsby here today. And uh, let me tell you about this lady very briefly, and then we, we really want to hear her story. So she's an experienced journalist, and we'll get into that. She is an author, a word architect. She's very skilled and crafty at that. Uh, she's a communication strategist, a digital storyteller, a dynamic speaker. Uh, and I know she's an engaging interview. I have talked to her offline a few times. And a music artist, which is really, really cool. Right now, she is a multimedia relations specialist for the Department of Homeland Security, Federal Emergency Management Agency in the, D in the D.C. area. Um, thrilled to death to have her. She's a, an author with Tactical 16 as well, and the good things they're doing out there in Colorado. But uh, Pam, good morning and welcome. John, thank you so much for having me and uh, letting me share a little bit of my life and, um, and my story uh, with your listeners, um, it's it's an honor. It's an honor to to be with you, and um, and able and to be able to share in this way. So let me thank you right off the bat, and anyone listening who um, has served our great country, I would like to say thank you for your service and your sacrifice, and for standing in the gap, standing in the gap for our freedom. Well, I know one thing about you, and you you talk about knowledge is power, and so very true, but. I like the word architect because, you know, so often these words, they can heal that they can bruise. And I'm just super excited to have you here. Thanks again. And uh, tell us about Pam. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I'm an Army brat. Uh, I was born at Fort Benning, Georgia. My dad was in the quartermaster program. And while he did not serve um, in uh, Vietnam, he did not fight in Vietnam, he was right on the cusp of that. And so uh, I lived with um, the, the Vietnam era and the war and uh, having it front and center in my life uh, growing up as, and when I was a young, very young child. And so it left a mark. It, um, it had an impact. And I come from a family of uh, men and women in military service. The whole family, if they, if they aren't serving in the military, they're working as educators. So that's kind of like the, the DNA that seems to uh, run throughout my bloodline. I have a family history of service to this country, and I'm very, very proud of that. I have nieces and nephews uh, serving right now, and, um, and, I, and I so admire them for their courage and bravery because, you know, they, they didn't have to sign up to serve. And, um, and, and so this is an issue really near and dear to my heart. So uh, I grew up in South Florida. I, I know you're you're in Sarasota, right? Oh, we sure are. Uh, West Coast. I'm sure you've been here before. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, yeah. I I love Florida. My folks uh, still live in South Florida in West Palm Beach, and so um, I grew up. After my dad left the military service, we we settled in South Florida, uh, first Riviera Beach, and now we're in West Palm Beach. And every time I say West Palm Beach, people go whoa, and then I have to say. West, let's, let's be distinct about this. I live in, my folks live and I grew up in West Palm Beach. So, that's, um, fu that's funny. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's good. So, I, so I've always uh, been interested in, um, in the well-being uh, and so respectful of the sacrifice of military men and women. 
because um, uh, I had the Vietnam War playing out in my home. Uh, every night, my dad would come home from work, and there it would be, um, they called the Vietnam War the living room war, because people were watching it nightly in, in their homes, and these were actual battles, and men uh, on the battlefield in combat, bleeding and, and, and dying. And then they called that form of journalism, bang-bang journalism, because it was unedited, unfiltered, really not a whole lot of context. We were watching it as it happened, so to speak. And so um, so I grew up in that era with that uh, landing on me as a child. And I also had an uncle who was a captain in the Army who um, came back from uh, his tour of duty, of combat duty, and uh, because of what he did, the things he did, and because of the things that he saw, he was not able to come back and just rejoin and, you know, rejoin his family and, and continue his life. Um, he had to be, you know, they, they didn't know it was PTSD back then, John. Um, they were saying, you know, he's just lost. He's, he's broken with reality. He's lost his mind. He's lost you know, his faculties. And so he was confined um, you know, to a mental hospital for decades. And so I, so that was happening in my, in my immediate family. And then the, uh, the young boys, young men who were in my neighborhood who left for Vietnam and were, you know, gone for a year or so, they came back so different, so changed. And these were friends of my older sister. And so, you know, they would come and visit her and sit out with her on the, on the front porch. And I just, I was wondering, you know, what has happened to them? I, I had no um, point of reference, no, no one to share and explain to me what was going on. These were just all these things I was observing as a, a young girl. And so I noticed, I said, they seem so excited and so animated, like they're, they're moved, they, they're jumpy, um, anxious. And um, they kept talking about the enemy this and the enemy that, and they seemed so changed. And, um, and, the, and the part that, that I'm leaving out that I really need to get to, because people could be wondering, you know, why didn't you ask your sister? You're like, why didn't you talk to your dad? When I was a kid, a, a girl, I was very timid, very shy, and so I internalized everything. I, and just as an example, just to show you how shy I was, I mean, I, I came from a loving home, doting parents, but if I wanted something, sometimes I would just like, I, I'd be afraid to ask, and I would like write a note, you know, can I go to the store with my best friend, Kim, or, you know, can I, can I, can I wear this to school, or, so I loved my, I wrote my parents all these notes all the time, and I was just extremely shy, so I didn't know how to process what I was seeing in the living room, I didn't know how to process, you know, what was going on in my family with my uncle, and uh, the, the young men um, who left as boys and came back from the war so different, um, and nobody uh, could really put a finger on on why these things were happening. So much was unknown at that time. We know so much more now about what to look for and, and how to treat. Well, one of the so, things um, one of the things you so, mentioned is you know is love you know in your loving household, and you mentioned a sister. So did you have more siblings that were that were in the household? Oh yeah, I had a, uh, at that time I had an older brother. And um, and then later, much later, I had um, I had I had a younger brother. So there were three of us growing up, and then um, my parents had like an oops baby. <laughs> so my younger brother, you know, was born. We were like teenagers and on our way, you know, out of the, the house to college and all of that. Um, so so I. Uh, That's just, funny. So you that, know, like, yeah. 
that stayed with me. That stayed with me um, for, I mean, it's still, it's still there, but I know so much more obviously than I, than I knew then, uh, but that left a mark. And so the question became in time, you know, what do you do with that? You care so much, like I'm an empath. So I feel things. And when I feel things, I feel things deeply. And uh, the question just became, you know, what, what are you going to do with that? Your care and, and concern and compassion towards military veterans, you know, what do you, what do you do with that? How do you put that in action in your life? And then that brings us to, um, you know, the book, John. Well, what did you do after high school? What did you, I mean, your, your resume is, I mean, you have always been, I can see this, you came from a great loving family in service to their country and others as educators. And I can, this is pretty impressive, ladies and gentlemen. And I, everything that you have done has been in the service of others. And so that's, that's pretty cool. One thing real quickly, you know, I was the third child. There's two girls and two boys in my family. And mm-hmm. uh, I was raised as an army brat as well. Now, my dad was not active duty as your dad was, but I, I find that similarity, you know, uh, interesting. So, but anyhow, tell us about you. It's not about my dad. It's about you and where you went. So, <laughs> oh, oh no, this is this is a this is a two way conversation. It takes two of us to, to make this thing happen. So, um, so I I wanted to be um, in education. Like I told you, it's like the, the, our family tree kind of. With, with our professions and careers and how we give back to, to others and, and contribute, I guess, contribute in life has been through military service or um, as, as educators. So I thought, John, uh, when, I, when I finished high school that I wanted to go to school to study um, to be a speech uh, teacher or a speech pathologist. I knew communications was, was always in there. There was always something about the way I put words together and just the, the, the speaking voice itself. I knew I wanted to utilize that in some way, but I didn't see it in, in, in broadcasting or, or singing or anything like that because I, I still was shy. So I went. So that's when I went to school to study. And in short order, I had to do a pivot because I soon realized that I just didn't have the makeup and the patience uh, to work in speech pathology. You know, you have to work so hard with your clients or patients, you know, to get results. And, um, you know, just the smallest thing, like someone uh, who couldn't speak and all of a sudden they say a word, one word. I mean, it's huge, but you have to work so hard and so long and be so dedicated at, um, to your, your client or patient to get to that point. And, you know, everybody can't do everything and everybody's not wired and created, you know, to, to do certain things. You know, I... I People who work in in hospitals as nurses, who work in burn centers, who you know, they're uh, or, or or nursing. You know, it takes a special person to answer to that kind of calling. But when I was in school, and I said, "What the heck am I going to do now?" Because I <laughs> thought I was going to be a, a teacher. Right. And so I took an aptitude test because I was lost. I mean, I kind of thought I had that future, you know, mapped out, and so. I was kind of lost, and I took an aptitude test, you know, where are you weak, where are you strong, you know, you may, and then it comes out and it tells you, like, you need to consider, you know, this as a possibility, and so one of the possibilities was uh, being a journalist, you know, being in news, and, you know, part of that was just uh, my, I, I love to research, I love to write, I love to talk, I love to interview, and I'm, and I'm naturally nosy, I'm like a nosy person. But maybe there's a well, there's a good part to that, you know. It's, 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 yeah, it's good to be curious. Um, yes, 
Yes. So don't um, ever lose that, by the way. Don't ever lose that. <laughs> and, and, and once I got on that that track, John, it's like I never got off of it because I found out you know, this is this is the thing that you are supposed to be up to um, in the in the world. You know, just trying to find the truth, <laughs> trying to find the facts. And, and holding people accountable, you know, holding feet to the fire, uh, holding people accountable. And then just, you know, being someone who tries to make sense, <laughs> tries to make sense of all the, the madness that's going on in the world. So, um, so that was a really good fit for my skill set. And, um, and then I just worked, you know, up and down the state of Florida, around the country, uh, you know, as a, as a news journalist. Um, and so, that has been my career. Um, well, let me say something right there. Hold it one second. And, and you're not just a news journalist. Now, you've you've actually been awarded. I know she's probably going to say, don't do it, but two, oh, you know, like two or three regional Emmys and a national Emmy for your journalism. Thank you. So uh, that's darn impressive. So obviously it's, it's somebody, dedication. yeah, your peers are obviously seeing something in the stories. Tell us about it. Uh a lot of, uh, of the work that I've done has been in the area of responding to, to various uh, and sundry uh, health crises uh, that have ripped the country. Um, I did a lot with, um, with drug, drug epidemics, with health epidemics uh, such as AIDS. And so, um, so there, there was notice around that. Uh, most recently, though, uh, it's been for the work that I've done uh, with veterans. And um, I was very fortunate to work for a company that saw my, my passion and desire to shed light, more light on our military men and women and families at a time when, um, you know, there was like public war fatigue. People were saying, isn't this war, you know, with, with respect to Iraq and Afghanistan, people would say, you know, isn't that war over? I thought we had fought that war. I thought it was over. And it was like the society um, collectively, you know, was ready to move on. It was like, let's move on to the next big thing that's that's gripping our awareness and consciousness. And so I didn't want um, veterans and their issues and war issues to um, to lose uh, front and center coverage. And so I, like I was saying, I was fortunate enough to work for a station that allowed me to, um, to show um, the good, the bad, the ugly uh, as it relates to... Uh, how how veterans once they return from combat are being treated what services are available you know who's dropping the ball uh you know where is the need and what's happening to, to families what's happening to employment so i got to explore all of that and um and i and i did get recognition for it you know that's that's not what the work is about uh it truly is um confronting uh the truth and making sure facts are known, and then um, and and then doing whatever work is necessary to bring corrective action or change. And so I, you know, I was I did a little bit of that. Uh, one one story that comes to mind, um, it, I was contacted by an Iraq and Afghanistan uh, war veteran who suffered post traumatic stress disorder, and he did his own research. He, you know, he didn't want to take a lot of pills. He stopped taking the pills because he didn't like the way they made him feel. And he felt that there had to be another way to address and help him recover from post-traumatic stress. And so he found a, um, 
it, it's not, it wasn't a brand new therapy and there wasn't really anything controversial about it. It was just that it wasn't uh, a type of therapy that um, the, the, the VA was willing to cover. They right. said, you know, this is what we do. You know, it was, it wasn't, well, I got to say, it was kind of like a one size fits all. You know, this, this is what we offer, you know, these two options and this one that you're bringing in is one that we really don't, um, give a whole lot of credence and a whole lot of, of uh, attention to. So, you know, he and I together uh, talked about this therapy. Um, it was uh, eye uh, movement uh, uh, detection uh, therapy where um, I don't want to get into the weeds about it, but what I'm trying to say is he was able to get the therapy that he wanted for himself and he's, and he, and he's so much better now because uh, someone brought it to brought it to light. That's the thing. Like just just bringing an issue to light and seeing, you know, what options are there, and not taking no for an answer. So that was kind of my um, my way of operating. It's like when someone tells you no, you know, it, no, it, it's never final. No, it's never final. And, and I'm sure people listening and you yourself know that there there are ways to uh, to negotiate there's a give and take and so he was able to get the therapy that he needed um, to to attack you know the demons that were in his head and um, and that that's the kind of work I, I like to do um, because it it makes a difference and it has a, a happy ending that- um, it was it was going in the wrong direction and then I got the redirection that was necessary to give him the attention and the outcome that that he needed. So well, that's a you know that's a great story, and we hear that from so many people. Uh, you know the usual routes for post traumatic stress or you know traumatic brain injury, and mm-hmm. that's fantastic work. And that's you know that's certainly why you're recognized. I know you've gotten presidential awards for volunteerism. I know you're into music. And we want to hear about that, and we certainly want to hear yeah, and, and right about now, the book. This got... isn't my this isn't my day to, to be out there. No, but, uh, <laughs> I volunteer here in Washington D.C. at the, the Washington D.C. Um, uh, VA Medical Center, and um, and I, I get to interact with veterans for for hours when I'm there, and uh, it lifts me so much. And you know, some you know sometimes you hear you know, people thanking you for listening and uh, willing to be a voice for them. And then you think that's a win for you, but that's, that's truly a win for me. And it's, it, I feel like I'm getting more out of it than, than they are. Um, I'm working in uh, patient advocacy and I'm helping um, the VA with a survey uh, of just how day-to-day patient care mm-hmm. is going and, um, and talking to veterans themselves about suggestions they have that could improve services at the Washington VA in particular. That's awesome work. And, you know, and I know that you can do it not just with the visits, but you you can do it with music. You can do it with these alternative modalities for healing and, mm-hmm. and, and books, you know, and what you and I came together because of your book. But now that I didn't even, I had no idea that you were even involved in music because it's so powerful. Um, and I'm excited and to hear healing. about, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your music. And, and then I want to talk about the book and, and, Tell us about the albums. I mean, that's pretty cool. Okay. Well, the, the, I did too. And uh, the, the first one was just, you know, I, I'm kind of like a jazz, blues kind of uh, performer. And so the first one was just me picking out like some of my favorite standards and, um, and, and recording them. And it was, just, it was just something that I wanted to do for fun um, to address a, um, a, a strong uh, 
uh, what do you call it, uh, a strong desire uh, to, to share um, a talent with, uh, with the public. And then the second one has far more depth than that because it was a, a compilation, uh, if you will, CD, an album of songs that, um, that I selected. Uh, some were, I, I wrote a song, uh, I had other artists contribute and um, so there, there was new music, and there were also some songs that um, that were powerful uh, and impactful for me. So I just put them together. You know, just one is hip hop, one is jazzy, one's kind of um, soulful. So it was a mix of songs, but they were all recorded as a tribute to pay honor to the troops. And so, so that was the mentality going in. And and every time I would go to the recording studio, I would bring a picture, just a picture of veterans, either, um, you know, hanging out somewhere or, or, or actually um, in, in the combat arena to just, you know, keep me focused and motivated on who the music was for. And it was just a wonderful project to produce. And um, a portion of the proceeds from the, the music project um, goes to the Fisher House I, I was in North Carolina um, when I did this, and so the the Fort Bragg, which is in Fayetteville, yep. uh, uh, in North Carolina, so a portion of the proceeds from the album went to them. And you know, I tell I, us that, what's the title. Tell us about the title. The title I'm of your sorry? second album. Yeah, tell us the title of your second album. And, and... The the title of the CD is called "Holding It Down," and um, the the lead song from that, "Holding It Down." was dedicated to the spouses who are um, who are at home holding things down while their loved one is mm. um, you know in the in the trenches in the the, the midst of uh, fighting and, um, and and trying to stay alive and, and doing everything they can so that what's going on over there doesn't happen over here so it was a, a song of, of tribute and respect to, to uh, the spouses who have to sort of act as mom and dad and do all of the things that, um, you know, the, the spouse has to serve as both parents, if you will. Wow. And then, um, and giving them credit for doing it so well, um, you know, when they're trying to just, uh, you know, juggle and keep, keep it all together. So the name of the, so, so that was the, um, the lead song and that was the title of well, the, the CD, the well, album. It's called you know, it Down. Pam, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because you know so often we do hear about the veterans and it is about the veterans and but also the families back home you know and the families back home and, and you as you a know, young lady it, young girl you know you felt that that now I, I know where you get that desire from and there is that mm -hmm. the untold story of See, those I, I, yeah and I, feel, I truly feel John that I've been able to to come full circle with where I started as as a girl and wanting you know what what can I do you know I I was was hurting and I was hurting because I felt bad for the guys who, who came home and they were impacted in a negative way uh, from their war experience. And I just, I, but I was too little and too young to know how to process that. But uh, through what I'm doing now, um, I truly feel called and led to, to be a voice, um, to advocate, to write, to, um, to speak, to, to do whatever I can to make sure that veterans aren't forgotten uh, and that people realize that, you know, we still have men and hmm. women bleeding and dying in foreign, in 
foreign lands in wars that are declared and, and undeclared. I mean, like, there's still, there's still a war. And so um, I just, I want to keep that top of mind. And, and I know I'm not the only one, but, uh, but I want to be a part of, of that community. Well, thank you for that. And tell us, um, certainly, you know, what a mission. And you point out a lot of things. Every, that's why, what I love about people like you is because you give us a different viewpoint. And when we can take these various viewpoints, we can put together the entire picture. Tell us about Ashley. Is, is Ashley you? No. <laughs> just, I'm wondering. No, um, uh, she's like just uh, a, a compilation of little girls uh, that I've seen from uh, fam military families uh, that I have encountered. And um, there, there was one little girl in particular um, that, that I knew in the, the Fayetteville area who was so close to her dad. And, you know, she's kind of like a tomboy. She's not a girly girl. You know, she's, she's, um, she's very talkative. She's very playful. She's smart. Uh, she's sassy. Um, and, and she wants to be, I mean, she admires her dad so much, you know, loves him and wants to be like him. She likes to wear, you know, boots. There's nothing girly girl about the Ashley in Ashley's high five for daddy. And, um, so of course, you know, it's about a homecoming and then what happens after that. So she, mm. she's not me, but she's a compilation of little girls who have a lot of spunk, uh, who I have seen over the years in, uh, in dealing, um, and meeting so many wonderful military families. So many. That's awesome. And how do how do the listeners get, get a hold of your book? The book is available on uh, Amazon. Uh, and again, it's Ashley's high five for daddy. It's a picture book and the target is for children four to six years old. Um, and it's also available on my website, uh, John, and it's uh, pamsalsby.com. Um, S-A-U-L. soon. I know Tactical yeah. 16 is, uh, is building a wonderful new website. And for all of the, the authors under that tent, I believe that our books will be available for, for sale there. But for right now, it's Amazon and it's my, uh, my personal website, John. And Salsby is S-A-U-L-S-B-Y. Well, that's great. You know, and there's a couple of things that we're not done here yet. You got, you got me going. I'm thinking a lot. Um, tell us, and I know you've been around a lot of combat veterans. The work that you do is I, so vital to, to the mission. And what do you want the non-military communities to know about combat veterans? Is there, is there some wisdom that you can give to, to us? Well, I, I want them to know uh, that these are these are our men and women who were are willing and were willing to put their lives on the line. I, I I believe that they need to be recognized as extraordinary and, and courageous. And yes, the the label hero fits them because you know they're when they sign up, they know that that's a possibility. It may never happen. Some may never see combat. But when they sign up, they're saying, I am willing to give my life for this country. I'm willing to stand in the gap to protect all of this country, our country, United States of America, from all the evils and um, the, the, the violence and the terror that could come this way. They're willing to stand in the gap for us. So I want people to just really recognize them for who they are 
and give them, continue to give them the respect that they deserve. And I want people to know that, yes, um, it begins with saying thank you for your service. But, you know, I would like I would like people to be mindful who, who don't have um, exposure to combat veterans or the military experience to um, to think of, of maybe once you've gotten that, you know, done, it's, it's, it's a thought, it's a wish to a veteran, then think about what you could do as a citizen to act to support them. And it could be, you know, I don't know, it could be participating in a fundraiser, it could be um, a 5K, it could be um, volunteering. So I think you could follow that up with some kind of action and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Sometimes, you know, people have big names, big celebrity, um, big money, and so they're able to do big things out in the world. But even those of us who don't have a lot, there's still something you can do in terms of action. So it's, it's recognition for what they did and what they were willing to do for our freedom, number one. And I, I would like that to be recognized. And then for people to think, what else can I do? How can I follow up this wish and, and this thank you that I give to military men and women and their, their families? Because, you know, when one serves, they all serve. You don't you agree, John? It's, the children serve, the spouse serves. So, um, absolutely. And gosh, you know what? Your passion and your heart is infectious and you know, you can feel it right. And and rightfully so, because the mission that you're on, I can think of no higher honor, but to pay respects to our people, our men and women in uniform. Um, that's what I'm about. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious to Pam and, and, and thank you for that. And, you know, and you do, you know, you, you go around the quarters of the veterans hospitals and you've been down to Fort Bragg and you've been around wounded veterans and, you know, yes. boys and girls, like you call them, but they're young men and women that are coming back. And what would be your advice to them? Uh, my advice to them is would be um, if you if you are hurting and you need help, to not be afraid uh, to ask for help because that that is your right and it's something that that you deserve. You, I would say, you served us, so let us serve you in ways that you need to be whole and to, to come back to the, the normalcy of, of the American way of life. So if you are in need of, uh, of a job, you know, go out there, you know, don't, um, I mean, go out there full force, if, if you will, with all deliberate speed. And uh, you've, got, you've got the skills, you've got skills that transfer. So, and, and if you need help um, because there's some, I don't know, some, some mental demon, something, you know, that, that's bothering you and it's, it's, it's related to what you did and what you saw in combat, you know, don't be afraid. That, that, and that's, I mean, that, that, I can get real specific about that because that's what the book is about, John. But it's like that, um, that stigma, it, it's, it is still there. And that's so unfortunate. And it's not, the, it's not as bad as it was, but it is still there. And so there's hesitancy to say, you know, my mind hurts. You know, if you've, if you've lost a limb or if you, your back you know, is just, you know, racked with, with pain and, and injury. It's so, you're so quick to say, hey, I need surgery or my, my back or help me, you know, with these prosthetics. Um, but then when it's something, when it deals with your mind, it, you know, so all, all of a sudden the rules are different. You know, the things that you can talk about are different and that is wrong. So um, I would say don't let a stigma stop you because you are, um, you're keeping, you're retarding your own um, 
development and, and, and because you can get better. So it would be um, for those coming back, ask, ask for what you need um, because there are, there are people, there are agencies with resources to help you get back, get back to where you were. Some great wisdom there. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and again, you point out another thing that, that is so very important. It's not weak to reach out. And I love, the, I, I love the way you say, let us help you because there are people out there that want to help. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. And, and I see that um, for a short time at the VA, I was uh, volunteering in the mental health unit and I saw um, men and women come in who checked themselves in because they knew, you know, that they needed help. And I thought that that was bold and that was courageous to know that you needed help. And rather than wait for something to explode, you know, something big to build up and burst, uh, they would put themselves into programs that could build them back up. That's awesome. And I was gratified. I was gratified to, uh, to see that happen. And it, you know, it's, I gotta tell you, it's, it's so rewarding to have, you here today because, you know, it's a reinforcement. You know, sometimes we don't think about, or we we might say, you know, the work that we do maybe gets overlooked, but people like you, Pam Salisby, are are on the front lines and and true leaders in your communities and in the nation for that fact. And, you know, to be able to take your own life experience and, 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 and to give it back to the community, to the country, is a service uh, so badly needed. And, and I'll tell you, I, I'm honored to have you here. And, you know, I read your resume, but it's nothing like talking to you in per- person. And how do well, people, so kind. well, you know, so and kind. I mean it, you know, I mean that, Pam. And how do people get a hold of you? You know, because you're definitely well, somebody you know, that needs to be gotten a hold of. So I really, I really wish, because I, I would like to hear um, from people I, I want Ashley's high five for daddy to be uh, the first of, in, of a series of books about uh, children and their experiences in, in a military family although I, I do have to say you know there were people who, who are buying the book who don't have military experience they see this as just a father uh, daughter love story with a very um, um, uh, very complex um, a message in it as well, but it's it's just a love story. But I I would love to hear from people who maybe have you know some ideas for what the next book might be. I, I have some ideas too, but I would be interested to hear from people who have actually experienced things in their families that they think other military families um, would like to know more about and explore. I mean, I could do the writing and the research and you know, get my illustrator, you know, back in business, but, um, but I'd like story ideas. And so they could email me actually, Don, at uh, pamsalsby at gmail.com or on the website, you know, there's a place to, to leave messages um, as well. Well, thank you for that. And I, you know, Ken, it's understated, you know, I'm very honored to have you here, Pam. And, you know, obviously the work that you're doing means a lot to our hearts here at Straight Out of Combat. And to our listeners, you know, and our mission is to try to diminish the stereotype, the negative stereotype. So often we hear about combat veterans, and the work that you're doing is so valuable. Um, if people want to get the book, you know, they can go to Amazon, Ashley's High Five for Daddy, or go to yes. PamSalsby.com, uh, Tactical mm-hmm. 16 in a little while here. And then also the album, you know, Holding It Down. How do they get that album? Uh, it's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. 
Well, you know, and the, awesome pointing it out. No, there you have it. Army brat, Pam Salsby, true blue American with her heart in the right place, helping veterans and veteran families across America. Um, just really humbled to have you here. And uh, I look forward to our next meeting, our next talk. And, you know, stay tuned for Straight Out of Combat Radio. We're going to have more guests on, highly talented guests like Pam Salsby, uh, who are part of the solution. Um, thank you very much, Pam, for being here. God bless. John, thank you. God bless you and God bless all of your listeners and God bless America.